anything works until it doesn't. Right? Something, <laughs> something will work really well. And then uh, what do you know? We all start trying to use similar tactics and, yeah. it, and it continues to work until people, the audience gets numb to that tactic right? or defensive or whatever it might be. And then it stops working. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, which means this is our hashtag one big idea episode. In these episodes, you'll hear some of the best big ideas from incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to the Flip My Funnel podcast. Dan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. All right. The new voice you're hearing right now is from Dan Ross. I'm super stoked. So thanks to Kenny, who's uh, running a sales for event. This actually is the first international podcast. So I'm really excited. Crossing borders. Crossing borders. <laughs> uh, we are in the Salesforce headquarters meeting with Dan Ross, who's the SVP of commercial sales for SMB. And he has been with Salesforce since 2006. So that makes it, what, 12 years? 12 years. 12 years and has been going from a small business account executive to all the way into a leadership role. And I'm just super stoked to just have a conversation with you on on really three main topics. Uh, one is the leadership idea, right? You know, if you're managing and leading an organization of, of this scale, and we'll, we'll get into like how many people are in your organization how do you how do you, how do you think about leadership? What what are the leadership traits that are making you successful? Um, the second one I want to get into and 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 really excited about is is that since you have been in this role, especially at Salesforce for the last 10, 12 years, what are the trends that you're seeing that has changed the way the sales are doing things? Because I hear and we all see those blog posts. Well, cold calling is dead, or this thing is dead. But what what is really happening in sales? We'd love for you to talk about that. And then I have a really interesting question about like the best leadership traits, but from a sales perspective, what, who are the best salespeople? What are the traits and characteristics they have? So, so if you have time into, into each one of them, I'd love to dig in. But Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. So let's just uh, talk about the size of your organization. How many people are in your uh, organization right now? Uh, so currently we have 140 account executives okay. who roll up to 17 managers who report to three VPs. That's so a lot we're, we're spread across three different cities for, yeah. for my team. Wow. Yeah, we just actually did a big resegmentation to try and get closer to the customer and uh, make those ratios stronger. Wow. And, and you, do you cover mostly Canada or do you go North America? Like how, how all? I live in Canada, do not have a single Canadian customer, believe it or not. Wow. Um, yeah, we've. Uh, how does that work? <laughs> I think there must have been slim pickings when I got hired for the job. Let's hire a Canadian to run the U.S. team. <laughs> so you're traveling back and forth for the most part to, to yeah, what, spending, what cities? Spending a lot more time in Atlanta and Chicago this year. All right. Uh, last year was it was a nationwide role, and what we found was there was just different personalities and different geographies. Yeah. So the marketing message, uh, customer experiences, and expectations in different cities did not match. So wow. now we have more of a geographic alignment. We can be a little bit more nimble. That's awesome, man. Hey, you know, I got to share this with you before we get into the leadership. So this is the first time for me to be in Canada. And obviously the world knows everybody, you know, Canadians are just nice people in general. Like the fact that we're doing this podcast on, on a like moment's notice is, is an example of that. So thank you. Uh, but I was on the flight and, and we landed 10 minutes before time. 
And the pilot, I knew I was in Canada when the pilot apologized for being 10 minutes <laughs> early. I'm like, I, this, you can't be, you got to be kidding me. But he said, I'm so sorry that we are 10 minutes early uh, for any inconvenience. I apologize. I'm like, what are you talking about? You are thankful. And I was trying to clap, yeah, but he was apologizing <laughs> yeah. for it. So I knew I was in Canada. So let's just dig into the idea um, of like, what, what is leadership uh, from your perspective? I mean, clearly the fact that you have been with one of the most iconic companies in the world today uh, for the last 12 years and consistently being going up and, and, and changing the way things are happening. How do you define leadership? Uh, I think the, you've probably heard this, there's like this stereotypical, I think it's a meme that's all over the internet. There's the leader and then there's the manager. Yeah. The manager's kind of cracking the whip and saying, go do stuff. And the leader is saying, literally like, follow me, I'll lead the way. Yeah. Uh, that's how I came to the company was, believe it or not, an old manager. <laughs> this is the funniest referral you'll ever hear. Uh, someone I used to work with at Xerox, my old manager, uh, was at Salesforce. He called me and said, I hate it here. I'm leaving as quickly as I can. You got to come work here. What? Yeah, I'm not exaggerating <laughs> at all. That was, that was his pitch. Yeah, this so, was in 2006. Uh, 2006, yeah. yeah. He's like, wow, people work too hard here. Yeah. Uh, I was killing my golf game. <laughs> you know, I can't wash the car on a sunny Tuesday afternoon. But uh, the first thing he spoke to was like the product is going places and the yeah. leaders are incredible. They're inspiring. They know how to model the way. Like These are the type of people that you would love to work with. Wow. And you just he was right. And what were you doing at that time before? Uh, before? I was at a uh, failing startup. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. A, a revolving door of yeah. uh, of pivoting and yep. stuff that was not working at the yep. time. Oh man, uh, I'd definitely been in that world for a while, right? As uh, it's kind of starting terminus, and and before that, I was obviously with Pardot and Salesforce. And you know, startup is a scary, scary ride. And people hear yeah. all the hero stories about, hey, these oh, companies are doing great. But for every good story, there are like ninety nine, you know, failed or maybe nine hundred and ninety nine failed stories that mm -hmm. nobody talks about. So that's awesome. I love, I love that definition. What in your mind, uh, you know, from a trend perspective? you know, you hear, and we talked about that even before we hit record, is that there are so many people talking about like, well, cold calling doesn't work anymore. Emails are dead. You know, advertising doesn't, it sucks. So, and then at the same time, uh, I was reading uh, the book that I was talking about, like the two sell is human from Daniel Pink. Uh, I'm a flight up here. And he talks about that. If you look at just the number of people companies are going to hire in the next 10 years, and I think some of them was up to 2020 and even further, it's skyrocketing. So the fact that we are hiring more salespeople, the sales is not dead. The art of selling is not dead. What do you say to that? What what, what do you see? Um, I, my experience is that technology has completely raised the bar. Mm -hmm. um, when I got into sales, Xerox and IBM, they were years ahead of all the training. And they were the ones that were making it. They were saying, you know, the internet gives so much more information to the buyer yeah. that you need to add value in different ways. It's not just about knowing the product. It's how to apply it and being a little bit more consultative. And that bar goes up. I feel like technology raises the bar on a monthly basis. Yeah. So the people selling need to come to come with something that's a true differentiator um, as far as the customer experience. As far as the technology and, and different yeah. tactics and strategies, uh, anything works until it doesn't. Right? Something, <laughs> something will work really well. And then uh, what do you know? We all start trying to use similar tactics and, yeah. it, and it continues to work until people, the audience gets numb to that tactic right? or defensive or whatever it might be. And then it stops working. Yeah. And whether that's a sales strategy or a technology, it works until it doesn't. Here's what I think always works. Here's what hasn't changed. Authenticity, creativity, um, 
genuine value add. However you're doing that, whatever technology or stack you're using, whatever methodology you're using, that authenticity definitely comes through. And I don't see that going away. You know, so that, here, like, here's an example. Yeah, please. Um, we, you know, you've got a background in, yeah. in the digital world and how like get that message. It's not like people are sending flyers through snail mail to try and get attention. <laughs> right. But we did a mail campaign and we sent out 100 books with a signature in it, so like a two sentence note to CEOs. And our response rate was something like 72%. Wow. Like most of these people are, wow. we haven't had conversations with them, Yeah. but the rules were, uh, make sure it's a book you've read. Yep. Make sure you understand why you would want your staff to read it if you worked at that company. Right. Two sentence note, handwritten, and I think the authenticity it was different. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, that is so interesting. I I think about this idea of um, high tech and high touch is, is what really yeah. where where the mix is, and and a, and a great combination of either one of those things done in a way where you can necessarily you, you can feel that. They really care about you and they really have taken the time to know you. So they're sending it. So you just gave a great example of that is, you know, if somebody has taken the time to read the book and the fact that you made sure that, you know, your team understood what the book is, they're just not slapping in a, uh, a generic note to it, but they knew the accounts they're going after. They knew the people they're going after and sending them a direct mail. How, how do you combine that or, or do you combine that with a calls, email, advertising, all the other follow-ups, but kind of focusing because you probably not sending books to everyone. You're sending it to a select group of people. Yes, exactly. We're trying to use what technology offers, what we can see in the data, what artificial intelligence can tell us yeah. so that we know them and we can make that two-sentence handwritten note as authentic and personal and relevant. And Each one of possible. those two sentences, it's not generic. It is to yeah. that person and it's it's about them. Yeah. So, I mean, to your point on, on how to harness that, I think – you know, the other skills like resourceful yeah. creativity, right? We can't just say, follow these check boxes and you're going to be a great enterprise yeah. software salesperson. Yeah. Um, it's having the, the ability to think on the fly and, and know, be resourceful with what yeah. information you have available and take advantage of it. Love that, man. All right. So this is uh, this is the third area that I want to dig in with you. The book, The Sell to Human from Daniel Pink. Mm -hmm. I love that book. Uh, you, have, you, have you been a fan of uh, some of his books? Yeah. He spoke at a conference when that book came out. He came to one of our conferences and yeah. did um, did a speech to, I don't know, maybe 500 of us. Wow. I was fascinated. So I think I read it on the way home. That is awesome. Excellent read. And I was reading it on the flight up here. It's a very quick read. And typically, I do, I'm not the person who would read end-to-end -end when it comes to a book. I would just go through. If I get a couple of nuggets, I'm good. I think it's like 10 bucks a book. And if I get two nuggets, that's awesome. That's yeah. all I need to know. A lot right. of nuggets in that one. Yeah. And in that one, like I keep, like, I'm keep making notes after notes after notes. And one of the things that struck uh, a chord with me, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, is he said, most people make the mistake of thinking that the best salespeople out there, and everybody's selling. Like I think if you're, if people who are listening to this podcast right now, if you're a marketer and if you think you're not selling, you're wrong. You're selling as much as the salesperson is selling. You just sell in a different way. You're selling in a meeting. You're selling in a conversation. You're selling, uh, you know, when you're talking to your peers about the project that you want to do. So it's not just trying to get money out of other people. That's not the only way to think about sales. So he really helped me think about that selling is something that all of us are doing uh, like 90% of our time. And that was a really profound just change of thought process for me. But then he went on and said, most people make the mistake thinking that the best salespeople or best successful people, the people who are going to be super successful, are the ones that are uh, who are extroverts. And he said that couldn't be further from the truth. 
And then he said, and then people think that people who are introverts, and there are a lot of people, you know, who who identify themselves as introverts, because they're not talking as much as the other guy or, or gal, they feel like they are overridden by them and they are not moving forward. And what his whole thesis and the study, and I'll encourage people to go check out this book, was it's neither. It's neither the extroverts who do good. It's neither the introverts that do bad. What happens is the people who can adapt on both sides, and he calls it ambiverts. Mm -hmm. That was a new word uh, for me, ambiverts. The people who are in the middle who can adapt based on the profile and how the other person they're talking to and their style, their mannerisms. If that person, if you can adapt to the other person's mannerism, you have a higher chances, almost like 70 or 80 percent, uh, I think in his book, of winning the argument or winning the negotiation or winning whatever you're trying to get out of that person. It could be between you and your spouse. It could be between you and your manager. It could be between another team player. So what are your thoughts when you hire? Because you've hired thousands of people in the last 10, 12 years, right? Literally in, in your organization, do you identify with that that idea? Incredibly so. Yes. Um, that actually took a weight off my shoulders in my <laughs> career because I thought that I wasn't extroverted enough yeah. to hit some of my career goals. Like I, uh, you know, the the kind of graph he draws, like yeah. introverts on one side. I flip flop back and forth like windshield wipers. Right? There's, <laughs> there's moments in my life where I'm very introverted. There's times I'm very extroverted. Yeah. Um, and it just made me a lot more self aware of how that plays out in a career and in a yeah. sales career specifically and has definitely helped me with an eye for talent when hiring salespeople. How, how do you look for that? How do you, in the interview process, how do you look for, I mean, I think maybe introvert, extrovert would be like, clearly like this guy's extrovert or gal is extrovert. How do you, do you train for that? Do you help people recognize that? Like, I, I feel like it could yeah, be I mean, extremely just, intimidating. Yeah, just thinking interview style. Like yeah. The bare basics, the person doesn't need to be this huge bundle of energy that yeah. comes forward with like a, you know, a big loud voice and, yeah. and extroverted kind of old school style of what we used to look for. Right. Um, and as soon as I noticed that, I started seeing the incredible value out of the introverts and how great they are typically at, at listening skills. Yeah. And that's just – that does – incrementally wonderful things for any career yeah. is being a great listener. Um, and so seeing that balance, I, I think it, it helps a couple of things. One, you get, you get a higher awareness of all the things that they can bring to the table for a new candidate. Mm -hmm. um, and also just pairing, you know, if we've got two teams that both need to hire someone, one has a extroverted leader, one has an introverted leader. Yeah. Uh, matching people up with people who are different has worked really well. Yeah. So there's uh, an introverted leader that I know here at Salesforce who is, is like deeply introverted but does extremely well with extroverted sales reps that sometimes mm -hmm. extroverts can clash. Yeah. Right? In yeah. a team environment. Both have high energy. And, but when and they can play off each other's strengths, it's, yeah. it's really powerful. It's beautiful. I, it's, I love it's that. It's instant chemistry. That's awesome. Could you share a story of one of your best hires and, and maybe the worst hires? Like, you know, where you would like, man, I thought this was a sure shot win and then it, it didn't turn out to be that way. Uh, yeah, I'll leave the names of the bad Yeah, hires. of course. I mean, the, the, the first, just because of what we're talking about, I yeah. think uh, we're all becoming so much more aware and so much better trained on, on the concept of bias. Yeah. And it was so easy to hire someone that just reflected me yeah right? oh we connected right away finished each other's sentences <laughs> but then we weren't bringing anything incremental to the mm -hmm. relationship i had a hard time adding value to, to his career and his yeah. strategy like we it was just groupthink yeah. all the time it was like a middle image and it, it yeah. didn't really move yeah yeah and i made that mistake a few times before clicking into what yeah. exactly was happening um 
And then for a great hire, I mean, I've, I've sort of got this concept that I live by where depending on the position that I'm hiring for, I want a scorecard to make myself and anyone interviewing with me, mm-hmm. what exactly do we need to hire for? So come up with a list of whether it's characteristics or skills. Yeah. What does this person need to do to be successful in the role? And then, you know, circle anything that I don't know how to coach. Huh. Right? So earlier I was talking about uh, curiosity and right. self-awareness. Like these are certain things that I, I either don't know how to coach or I won't be – I won't have the time to coach in this specific role right. maybe due to urgency. Right. So I've got a list of, of things that I just don't know how to coach. Yeah. That's a deal breaker. The recruiters – are aware of it before they bring a candidate forward. That's awesome. If the person doesn't have this, it, it's not going to work. Yeah, that's not is to say awesome. that they won't be hugely successful in their career. Yeah, uh, it's that we either don't have the know-how or the time to coach those areas. Yeah, and then it isolates. Okay, what of the things that we do know how to coach? Yeah, now you can get way out of profile. I don't yeah. need someone to have deep tech experience. I don't need them to have solution selling experience. Like we know how to teach that. Yeah. We can teach it that process. Yeah, love um, that. And man. it really it kind of isolates and it makes the candidate aware. Like all right. Yeah. Here's the stuff that we need to work on together, and they tend to respond well. Cause it's, yeah, I mean, you're literally setting them for success. You don't want to create an environment where you're hiring the best skill set person. You want to hire the best person that fits the need of the organization at that point. Yeah, everyone likes the feedback. Yeah. But when the feedback doesn't get packaged up with an explanation of how to fix it, yeah, then it's just frustrating. I hear you, man. Right? So when it's, when it's a coachable skill, it keeps everyone on the same page and moving forward. It's awesome. All right. So typically what I do is I take a bunch of notes in this because there's just so many things that I think, you know, when, when you go through this conversation, it's like, man, that was a good point. That was a good point. And when people listen to the podcast, the biggest feedback I get is that they want to get more of the show notes and what were the summary part of it. So here are the few things that I wrote down. Sure thing. Uh, from from a leader manager perspective, and I asked you about leadership, it was really amazing when you said that, you know, you looked about leadership of us following you know, as, as something that, you know, people can follow and that you want to have people follow you as opposed to a manager who's like giving more of the task. So a question for a lot of people really is, are you a leader? Are you a manager? What is your style? Recognize it and then surround yourself with the right people that can help you fill those gaps. So I think, I think that was, that was a big one. And then you talked about the technology raising the bar constantly. I think you said monthly and I think, man, sometimes it feels like daily where there's a new technology coming out and, and or like, I need to figure out how to hack into that or how to figure these things out. But because technology is raising the bar all the time, your point around things that won't change uh, are authenticity, creativity, adding value. Those things won't change. Those, those things don't change, but you just have to be creative in a different way. If something worked for you five, ten years ago, it may no longer work for you. And just because that doesn't work doesn't mean you have to stop being creative. You can do something different. And the example you shared about direct mail, where you had each one of your team members write a personalized note, had them read the book, and send it over, I think that's phenomenal. I think more and more people should do that. It takes time. It takes courage to, to stop and not do 50 calls and actually do 10 calls, but do it really well. But those are the ones that are probably giving you the best results. So that, that was a great takeaway. Take and then for anybody who's more uh, aspiring to be a leader, aspiring to, to be in a, a position like yours, who, is, who has gone through the ranks and have now been so super successful in, in, at Salesforce, listening seems to be one of the key, key roles, the key characteristics that you're thinking about when people like, w- what advice would you have to finish this off for people who are aspiring to be uh, in sales or in marketing, but are le- really at the entry level? And then what advice would you have for people to be better executives like you are? Uh, enjoy the time. It's like, <laughs> it sounds like something that would show up on a greeting card or, you know, a, a cheesy calendar. 
I think um, early in my career, I was really good at making money and I was good at getting promoted. Yeah. And I took pride in it. And it was like always racing me. I had these measurable goals. Yeah. And where my career really took off was when I stopped thinking that way and just started thinking about wow. the skills. So instead of always striving for like, what's the title? What's the next business card I'm going yeah. to earn? Yeah. I started thinking, well, what are the skills I need to get there? And that completely changed the game for me. Wow. It's like, here's the list of three skills I'm going to work on. If my manager knew it and my peers knew it, I can pull help and, and improve in those skills faster. When the environment changes so fast, it's yeah. hard to predict the org chart. But if you're building those skills, there'll be jobs that come up that I you didn't that. even know existed. I love that. And as an executive, people who are in the executive position like yours, what, what advice do you have for them to be just better at that? It's, I think it's the same. Yeah. Right? Just no matter what level of executive you get to be. Just focus uh, you, on the skills and get better yeah, at that. You don't want to you don't want to get stagnant or yeah. hit any kind of ceiling in your own development. Um, True. But you don't always have teams that are designed to develop you. Yeah. So you need to be aware and know what you want to improve on. I love that. I'm going to take that as the biggest takeaway. That's the big idea is like figure out a way to get more skills in your uh, part of your growth and your professional growth, not necessarily uh, the next title, because that's what will take you to the next title. And a lot of times you think about the title so much and the money so much that we just forget that it's really the skills and personal and professional development that will get us there. Yeah. So maybe like for an individual contributor, maybe the skill is, you know, get better at prospecting, get better yeah. at uh, doing deep discovery or business acumen. As you get into executive levels, you might get into things like uh, more scalable program management or influencing teams and executives that don't report to you. Right. Love that. Dan, thank you so much, man. I really, Pleasure. really enjoyed this. This is awesome. Yeah, this was fun. All right. Flip My Funnel is on a mission to build the largest and most engaged community of B2B professionals in the world. Join the movement at flipmyfunnel.com. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.